Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I'm going to continue continue the power series and talking about the power of his Holy Spirit. We um, we opened up last week talking about the power of his spirit in creation. And really what I wanted to do was uh, set a foundation. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about origin stories, right? And it, nobody was there when God created himself or you know, he who is not created, he just is. We, we can't explain um, God, right? We can't, can't really explain his existence. He just, he's just God. He is the first and the last. He's always been there. He's going to be there in the end. He was there in the beginning, and he's here now. Um, but what I wanted to do was hopefully set up a foundation for understanding how his spirit worked in creation to bring all this about. You know, we had a, a very wonderful and simple, um, you know, uh, analogy of uh, Brother Petros building, putting together dominoes and, and how those dominoes represented the pre-creation materials and how none of us were around to see all that happening, but yet we believe that God put it in order and he ordered everything. He was the first cause. You know, we, we talked about that phrase a little bit, but really, again, it was just a way for us to set up a foundation um, and understanding how his spirit operates. And today, um, what I want to do is spend time talking about the power of his spirit, the power of his Holy Spirit in restoration. And whereas last week was more uh, technical in presentation, I think today will be a little bit more uh, practical um, because we can see, again, we, we, we take a 10,000 foot view and trying to understand creation. And, we, and I mentioned how, you know, the Bible does not explain scientifically how creation began or how creation, uh, how it all happened, but it it does explain who put it all in order, who put it all in, uh, in place for us. Um, so sometimes when we try to imagine that it can be a little bit difficult, a little bit challenging because we, we stand back and, and again, even with, uh, 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 such a great teaching as we had last week, you know, Sometimes we still miss, we miss the power and the significance of it. Um, the truth is, man, God is just, he is beyond us. His ways are higher than ours. Uh, it, you know, words can't explain as best as we try. Words cannot explain just how wonderful and powerful his spirit is. And yet still we try. And so here I am trying to do my best as a lowly servant and explain to us the power of God's spirit. But today I want to, again, spend some time talking about the more uh, practical matters and, and restoration and how his spirit uh, operates in our life and gives us the ability to be restored. Um, I have an anchor text, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 and 15 through 17. We'll read that again. Uh, it says here, now that we are sufficient 
not, sorry, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not by the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. Verse 15, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is power. There is blessing. There is restoration. There is creation. Amen. There is salvation, wherever the spirit of the Lord is. So we end it last week talking about the Ruach, the, this breath wind thing that, um, that God used. And uh, by, these, by this Ruach was the breath of life breathed into man, uh, mankind, and we became a, a living soul. Um, and I want to pick up there from uh, talking about how God said in Genesis, I believe it was Genesis 6, 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Um, and believe it or not, pastor and I did not talk about our scriptures last week, and he picked up right in his sermon talking about Noah. Um, so I won't spend any time there really much time there talking about the events leading up to it um, only to say and I shared this with pastor after uh, after he preached last week that it, if you were here and you remember he had those um, those wooden planks and he had his hammer in his hand and every time he hit that that sound my, my soul was rocked every time he hit that 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 wood with that hammer my soul was rocked and what he was what he was doing was putting us placing us in the event as Noah is building that ark, um, following God's declaration that his spirit is not always going to strive with man, Noah is now building that ark, being obedient to the word of God that went forth, and he begins to, this process of building. But every time he hit that, that piece of wood with that hammer, my soul was, was, was shaken because I could hear both grace and judgment. And that, that sound, it just, even, it's still ringing, you know, because you, can you really imagine being there? And I, I'm not going to preach pastor's message again, but, but sometimes we need to put ourselves in these stories because it, it, it says so much about God's grace, but it also says so much about God's judgment. Um, and so that, that was just a phenomenal, a phenomenal message, uh, pastor. I really appreciated it. Uh, if you hadn't had a chance to hear it, you need to go listen to it. Um, Amen. But we, we talked about how God says that his spirit is not going to always strive with man because he is flesh and his days are numbered. Um, and then began in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, where we see uh, a term I used was decreation. Okay. So all leading all the way up and or starting in Genesis chapter 1, we saw God's spirit active in creation. And then in chapter 6, he begins this process of decreation. He begins this process of removing, if you will, uh, the, 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 those who had the breath of life in them from this world, because as pastor pointed out, the world was just crazy. Everybody did what they thought was right, uh, which it really wasn't right. Um, and so God begins this process of decreation by way of the flood waters in Genesis chapter six, verse 17. And behold, I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. 
And we know the story very well, of course, again, with Noah and what God had told him to do, God offered a way of escape. Um, but a few with the Ruach of life enter into the ark. Uh, and here we saw God's spirit offering preservation in Genesis chapter 7, verse 15. And they went in unto Noah, and they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. Again, God's spirit offering us restoration. And then everybody else who had the breath of life in them that were not in the ark, they died. They died by way of flood, by way of judgment, and God made sure of that. And the point that I wanted to bring out there was although God's spirit is, is capable, and we've seen this in the, in the proof of his word, is capable of creation by way of his spirit, when we, when we uh, are not obedient um, to his ways or to his word, there is a, a, a process of judgment where he begins to remove his spirit from us. Um, and I pointed out that even those who have the spirit of God, we've gone through salvation. We've been, again, we've been baptized in Jesus name, filled with the Holy ghost. Just because you have that experience doesn't set you up to just waltz into heaven, right? Because that's not the end of your journey. You still have to strive. I, I brought out how when Noah in this process of restoration and preservation, when Noah got off the ark, he still had work to do. He still had work to do, him and his family. Uh, that was not the end of their, their journey. So if you've, got, if you've experienced um, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is a personal experience, um, and, you know, and, and God, God's deciding now to live inside of you, um, if you've had that experience, continue to walk and live by faith for Jesus Christ. Um, but we talked about how his spirit is personal. And again, it hovers above and then it dwells within. Um, and how God's spirit is best understood when it is experienced. Um, looking at Genesis 8, chapter 1 through 3. And this is, this is where we'll begin today. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And the waters assuaged or assuaged. The fountains, or, or dissipated is, is another word. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. The waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. I think it's interesting that this scripture says God remembered Noah as if he forgets, right? <laughs> uh, unlike us, God does not suffer from amnesia, Alzheimer's, you know, none of those diseases or conditions. But, it's, but still, the, the, the scripture was, was kind enough to remind us that God remembered Noah. And really what it's saying is he, he acknowledged Noah. It's almost like he, you know, I, 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 God's a busy God. Amen. He's got a lot going on. Okay. But I, I just imagine in my mind's eye that he's there and he's, he's working and he's creating and he's judging and he's doing all these different things. Um, and then all of a sudden, as the judgment begins to pass over or, or is, is queuing up to pass over this earth, he kind of acknowledges Noah, you know, in, in remembering and not really remembering because he doesn't forget. He acknowledges 
He acknowledges, hey, there's a guy down there, right, or over there. I don't believe heaven is, is above us, but anyway, um, I think that heaven is around us and we can't see it because of sin. Um, but in, in when we are you know, raptured up or caught away, we'll, our eyes will be opened and we'll be able to experience, um, again, those of us who have gone through salvation, be able to experience the, the spiritual world like we, we can't really experience it now. Um, I don't believe that heaven is just in the clouds. Okay, like they do in, like they tell us in some of these Sunday school books. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, I believe that we, we interact and, and engage with the spiritual world every day. Um, that's why we must pray every day that we might hold off those, those evil things in the spiritual world that wish to do us harm, right? Because they're all around us and they want to attack us, uh, you know, but, but we also offer up that worship. And it's a way for us to sort of step into uh, a spiritual experience and give God glory. Anyway, I'm going to move on from that because we can, we can talk about that all day. But that's my opinion. I don't believe heaven is up. So anyway, God is, God is doing his thing. And then he acknowledges Noah. He pays attention to Noah. And he calls Noah to build this ark. Noah builds the ark. The waters on the earth begin to flood from the, the, the heavens above, open up the, 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 the waters below, come up from underneath the ground, and the whole earth is filled with water. Um, what I wanted to pay attention to here is that the waters returned from off the earth continually tells me that that restoration is a process. Okay? Restoration is a process. Um, a couple years ago, uh, some of you guys know Aunt Vivine, Hannah's aunt. She was uh, up in Virginia with her uncle, her brother, Hannah's uncle, Uncle Vien's brother. Um, and there was an issue with a toilet and some running water. And you already know this doesn't sound good. Um, but what happened was the, the, there was a pipe in his house that apparently didn't run properly whenever you flushed the toilet. And it just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran until finally there was water everywhere. The water ran from the third floor of his uh, condo all the way to the basement. And it just flooded the whole house. And she, she, tells, that, uh, she tells me that, you know, when the insurance companies came, you know, came in and everything, obviously... Uh, Hannah's uncle Gene was was uh, not happy about it, and uh, he kind of blamed Aunt Vivine for it. But um, she said, "Don't be mad at me. I got you a new house because that's what happened. They they basically built him an entire new found uh, not foundation, but flooring, new walls where all the water had run down in. You know, and so today you walk in, he's got beautiful wood floors. You know, more modern wooden floors. And so she's like, "Yeah, I did that. You know, that's my fault. I did that, but." Over that, that process of restoring that home, I mean, it was weeks before they, they could even start the building process, the rebuilding process. They had to bring in these big fans and these water removal systems, right, to get it out of the, out of the flooring and, and off the walls and uh, so that mildew doesn't set in before they, and I'm, I'm sure... Uh, brother, actually the Williamsons um, could probably tell you more about this if they're into restoration and they paint and things, but you can't just go in and paint over wet walls, right? Because then you're going to build mildew and mold behind those walls. So they had, to, they had to go through the process of restoring that home before it can really be up to par 
or back where it was prior. So even likewise, the, re the process of restoration in the word of God is, it's a process. Um, some things happen overnight. God is able to deliver, deliver you from cigarettes, deliver you from depression, and you never struggle with it again. But then some things is a, it's a process. You've got to walk, the f run with patience this race that is set before us, right? And, and maybe for you, whereas God might have delivered somebody from an issue immediately, for you, he wants to see your faith in action. He wants to see your faith in action. So restoration is a, is a process. Um, I want to look at Psalm 71, verses 19 through 21. This was written by David. And this is a, this is a, a story of an old man who hopes for restoration. This old man, David, hopes for restoration after experiencing something that none of us would want to go through uh, with our families and especially our offspring. Um, but Psalm 71, 19 through 21 says, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. What hast, who has done great things? O God, who is like unto thee? Thou hast, thou wist, hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again. You've shown me great and sore troubles, but, but I believe you're going to restore me again. You're going to quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. The background of this, this psalm is David writing again in old age, and he's writing in a time when his son Absalom, Absalom has rebelled against the kingdom, but he did more than just rebel. Uh, if you know the story in 2 Samuel chapter 15, uh, Absalom does something, again, that, that we as parents would not want to experience with our, with our young people, with our, our offspring, our children. What he does is he stands, Absalom stands at the gate of the kingdom, unauthorized, uh, unapproved, right? This is, this is David's, <laughs> sometimes I think of these, uh, these politicians saying, you know, I'm candidate A or I'm candidate B and I approve this message. The actions that Absalom did in these, in this story was not approved by David. And in fact, David had no idea that it was happening. But what Absalom would do is he would stand at the gate and he would judge matters people would come to him with issues and, 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 and he would, he would judge matters. And, and the Bible says that he would, he would uh, take the hand of the individual who's, who's asking him to judge their situation and he would kiss their hand and bless it as if he's already King. And he did this, the Bible says for 40 years, for 40 years, he stood at the gate with unauthorized authority to judge matters that are reserved for the king to judge. And this is happening all under David's nose. And the Bible says that after 40 years, Absalom was able to steal the hearts of the men of Israel. And when I read this, my, the question that I had was, well, where were the women? They would have picked up on his, his, his uh, connivory, right? Mother knows best. They would have picked up on it. But for 40 years, he's doing this. And one day, David receives the news that the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. They're not even, they, they don't follow you anymore, king. They, everybody, Absalom, because of his unauthorized actions, has stolen the hearts of the people. 
This is not something that we would want to experience in our lives. To have our children usurp us and stage a coup, right? And this is exactly what happened with David. But as he as he's writing Psalm 71, he, uh, he writes and he, as he climbs Mount Olivet, he's weeping, but he's worshiping. And he's upset and he's frustrated and he, he's doubting, I believe, doubting his, you know, his next steps. What's, where do I go from here, God? You've shown me sore and great troubles. This, this, is, this is a, man, this takes the cake. My own son has betrayed me. My own son has done this against me. But thou, O oh God, <laughs> shall quicken me again. You shall comfort me on every side. Amen. He shall quicken me again. God is in the business of restoration. When we go through unimaginable troubles, unimaginable uh, situations, um, where some of us would be willing all too well to just throw in the towel and give up and quit. We can, if we can just remember that God is in the business of restoration. God is in the business of bringing back to life what you thought was, was dead. Amen. He is in the business of bringing back to life what you thought was, was a lost cause. And how does he do this? How does he do this? I think by your faith, just simple. By you believing that he can, he will. You believing that he can, he will. And he's gonna comfort you on every side, amen. There's a poem in Psalm 104 that kind of highlights this, this process of creation and restoration. Again, David writing. David recaps and summarizes God's work in creation. And then at the end of it, he ties this, this neat little bow on God's ability to restore. Um, in verse 10 of Psalm 104, he talks about how God sends the, the, the springs into the valleys. And if you want to go, go and read Psalm 104, we're not going <clears> to <throat> read the whole thing today, obviously. There's about 32 verses in it. But the whole, if your Bible's like my Bible, it actually sections it out nice and neat for you, you know. Um, and it actually says that, you know, this is a, a poem about creation. David is, it's almost like he went and grabbed the book of Genesis, the Genesis scroll, and just began to meditate on how God's spirit worked and operated in, in creation. And so, anyway, in verse 10, he, he sends the... He talks about how God sends the springs into the valleys, and you can almost hear a callback to the fountains of the deep being opened up. In verses 19 through 20 of Psalm 104, he, uh, David talks about how God appointed the moon for seasons, and the sun knows his going down. The sun knows how to move through the sky because God ordered him, ordered it and told it what to do. He makes darkness, he says. And then in verse 24, it says, Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you made them all. Talking about everything that we see in creation. The moon, the stars, the sun, the ocean, the waves, the, the waters below and the, the waters below and the waters above. Right? You made all these things. All these things you've created and they wait upon you. Verse 27. Look at verse uh, 27 through 30 of Psalm 104. It says, these wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they gather. In other words, what you give them, they gather. Thou openest thine hand, 
they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, pay attention to this, when you hide your face, they are troubled. When you take away, thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. I believe David is, is recalling all of the events in Genesis from creation all the way through when, when, when the flood happened, the flood waters happened, and then God began the process of restoration through the family of Noah. He's recalling all this. But you notice it says, thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. You know, that, that scripture in uh, the, um, the priestly uh, blessing where it says, may the Lord lift up his, his countenance upon thee and give, you, give thee peace. That scripture is, is, is referring to his, obviously God doesn't have a physical face, but referring to his presence, right? And, and it's praying that whatever is happening in your life, may God lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. May he, he lift up his presence upon you and basically pay attention to you. Pay attention to your trouble, your calamity. And in that, may he give you peace, rest, right? But the converse is also true that when he hides his face, when he hides his countenance, amen, they are troubled. I imagine, babe, come here for a second. I imagine, just go ahead and look that way. I imagine a, a baby, you know, walking up to his mother. Mommy, no, no, don't pay attention. Mommy, right? And they're pulling and they're tugging, right? Trying very hard to get their mother's attention, but their face is turned away from them. His, their, their face is not paying, paying attention. Their, their, their attention is not on this child in this moment. And if you, if you do that long enough, the child will start to get real creative, okay? On how... Don't, don't turn around. Whatever happens, just don't turn around, right? We are troubled. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because he's not paying attention to us. His spirit has, has, is ignoring us, if you will. Yeah. Right? Maybe we've, maybe we've sinned. Maybe we've turned away. In, in the New Testament, it talks about God, how God will, will turn those over to a reprobate mind who have just decided to, to be damned and believe a lie. Man, I would not want to be in the situation where I cannot experience the countenance and the presence and the face of God. Yes, I would be troubled. You want to talk about a crazy person? That would be me. Thanks, babe. Mm. Amen. Amen. Now I got to help her pick up all the chairs. Amen. But they would be troubled. They are troubled when he turns his face away from them. Mm. Mm. But it says here at the end, thou renewest the face of the earth. When? When he sends forth his spirit. If you want to experience restoration, ask God to send forth his spirit. I want to pray that right now. Father, send forth your spirit. Jesus. 
Mm, there are those of us, oh God, who have strived and fought and were troubled on every side. I pray, Lord, would you send forth your spirit right now in Jesus' name. This world needs a reminder. This world needs the church to pray, God, send forth your spirit that we can experience restoration in our schools. Amen. Restoration in our morals. <sighs> restoration in our relationships. God, send forth your spirit. I believe somebody's going to be praying that this week. Send forth your spirit, Lord. Begin that process of, of renewing. Amen. Comfort me on every side. Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 13 and 1. I don't think I gave this to you, brother. Can you put that up and see how quick draw McGraw? Oh, wait, that's the same guy who on a Wednesday night uh, <laughs> didn't give me the scriptures that old night. You got it, brother? 31. <laughs> Amen. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Mm. How long would you hide your, would you, will you hide your face, God? How many of us have gone through trouble and have doubted whether or not God was even paying attention to us? Amen. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wanted to see just how desperate you would get to get his attention. Would you be willing to give all for his attention? Be willing to, to, to sacrifice, build an altar for his attention to restore right relationship with him? What would you be willing to do? How desperate would you become to be restored by the spirit of the Lord? Amen. This is why the psalmist in this, in this 13th Psalm wanted to know just how long are you going to be removed from me? Oh Lord, I, I'm like an anxious kid. I, I, I can't, I can't stand being without the presence of God. I can't stand being without, uh, without having your attention. Lord, how, how long, how long, how long? It's the urgency that I see in Psalm 13. How long God are you going to be with, be absent from me? Amen. I believe that the psalmist understood that on a practical level, God can restore our mind. This is the first point I guess I want to make. I guess I've made a lot of points, but his spirit can, can restore the mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye, nudge your neighbor, just, just tap him on the shoulder and say, but ye, or you, you can, you can go modern English, but you have not so learned Christ. That's not how you learn, learned Christ. You didn't learn Christ the way everybody else learned Christ. You didn't learn Christ, uh, you know, it, it to, to continue to exist with an ignorant 
posture or an ignorant demeanor. That's not the way you learned Christ. If so be, verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, and then what do you need to do? Here's what you need to do. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You didn't learn, you didn't learn Jesus just so you can continue to be ignorant. <laughs> If you've been, if you, you know, if you've been taught by him, we, we didn't have the luxury of being today. We, we didn't have the luxury of being taught directly by Jesus Christ as these Gentiles did in the book of Ephesians. Amen. But today we preach, right? We preach. God chose a foolish preaching to save some, right? And, um, you know, so we are given this, this charge, if you will to put on the new man, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Well, what exactly does that look like? If you continue reading, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 talks about how we are to speak in truth. Speak the truth. Uh, verse 26 talks about that we, we might be angry, but we, don't, we still don't sin. We still don't go out and, and you know, commit atrocities. Right on society. We might be frustrated. We might be upset. We might be protesting, right? But we sin not. Verse 27 talks about how uh, not giving the devil an opportunity. This is a big one. This, this is how you are renewed uh, or how you operate or walk or, you know, in the faith by Jesus Christ and, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is one of the ways. You don't give the devil an opportunity to lie to you and tell you things that are contrary to what God has already told you. Don't give him the opportunity to push you towards sin. Don't give him the opportunity to allow you to be a curse to your wife or to your husband. Don't give him the opportunity. And you, 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 only you are going to know, you and God are going to know what areas in your life has opened up the door and given the devil that opportunity. Okay? So if you want to maintain that walk and being in the, uh, walking in the renewed, in the spirit of a renewed mind, you can't give him the opportunity to fool you, to bamboozle you, right? For goodness sake, verse 28, don't steal. Well, don't take what don't belong to you. <laughs> Mama taught you that. Amen. Verse 29, don't allow any corrupt thought come out of your mouth. Hmm. But that also includes what you say to yourself. There are people who, and you've, we've heard the, the, the cliche or the, the saying all the time or frequently, you are your worst enemy. You are your worst critic, your own worst critic. What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself you're good for nothing? Are you telling yourself you'll never amount to anything? Maybe you're repeating things that you've heard over your whole life, people telling you you're nothing. You'll never amount to anything. But God says otherwise. Would you adopt what he wants you to believe about you? Right? Don't allow, don't allow the, cor the, the corrupted, uh, you know, 
nature or the corrupted conversation of some become your conversation. And that includes what you tell yourself. The last one, I believe it's in verse 30. Thank you, brother. You were following along with me. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Grieve not the Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. That word grieve means offend. You know, it means other things like sadness. I don't think the Holy Ghost could get sad. So I took the, the, the one that applied the most, offend, as one of the definitions. Don't offend the Holy Ghost. How, well, how do you offend the Holy Ghost? When you begin to give the devil an opportunity, when you begin to lie to yourself and lie to others about, you know, speaking the opposite of what the truth is. That's how you offend the, the, the Holy Ghost. But you, the Holy Ghost, would you look at this guy? Yeah. yeah. I'm offended. He has sat under my tutelage, my instruction, and this is, this is how he's acting. The Holy Ghost is offended. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. All of these flow out of a Holy Ghost renewed mind. This is cool. I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here in a minute. Y'all just go with me, okay? In your body, and, and I love talking about your body because God made it. Amen? Yes. He made it. In your body, there's this thing called a vagus nerve. This nerve interacts and with just about every bodily system that you have. It touches, and it's a cranial nerve, and it touches just about everything. When you, they have found that when we breathe, take a deep breath in, I know some people who practice this, right? When you take a deep breath in, you activate that vagus nerve and it begins to calm you down. It begins to allow you to have a renewed mind. And it's done through the breath. Now, we've been talking this whole time about how God breathed the breath of life into man and how his, his ruach, right, this breath, spirit, wind thing, is hovering above and living within, living inside of us. I don't find it a coincidence that when we are, are able to find a place to take a deep breath, you feel a little bit better. <laughs> You've got a renewed mind in that moment. Now, you may need to, depending upon your situation, may need to do that a little bit more frequently than others, right? If you got kids running around, job pressures and stresses and you know worrying about where we going where this church is going to move right all those those frustrations and stresses that come you might need to do it a little bit more frequently but when you do it you are you are inviting the breath that God you know all this stuff that God has orchestrated in this world you are inviting that breath into you to give you a renewed mind it's not a coincidence it's not a coincidence at all that God would have our bodies function in that way. It's through his breath. Yes, yes. His spirit that we can have a renewed mind. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind of the spirit is life and peace. All this contrast. Now, Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters. Mm, verse 7. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile, or I'm reading the ESV, the KJV says enmity to God. It's hostile to God. Why? For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's the mind that's set on the flesh and not on the spirit. It's hostile to God. Mm. It's hostile. Cannot be, it cannot submit to God's law. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And we go all the way back to John chapter 3. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, it does not belong. You do not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Restoration. You might be dead, but you'll be resurrected, restored. I got to hurry. His spirit restores the soul. Psalm 23, 3. He restoreth my soul, says the psalmist. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. Can you put up Romans 8, 2? What is the psalmist talking about? He says the law, he says in Psalm, I just read it. Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Romans 8, 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We're talking about two different laws here. The psalmist is talking about the Old Testament law, the Torah, Right? The law of the Lord is perfect. But then there's this New Testament law that we talk about, which is the law of the Spirit. Where in the Old Testament, they were governed by the Torah law. In the New Testament, we are governed by the law of the Spirit. Okay? Both, though, right, we're living under the New Testament, are able, is able, to perfect and convert the soul. You see, Christ's work built upon and fulfilled the teachings of the Old Testament Torah law and gave us his, instead of the Old Testament law, gave us his spirit to follow. This way, we no longer are made righteous by works, but rather by faith. We are no longer restored by mere works of the law, but we are restored primarily because of his spirit. We are, we are, we are governed by the law of his spirit, and it's still able to convert the soul still able to restore the soul. I'll end with this scripture. Psalm 51, uh, 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Again, recalling the, the desperation associated with God removing his spirit from your life. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. <laughs> I love this. Let's stand.
Jesus, he can restore the mind. His spirit can restore the mind. If you're frustrated here today, he can restore your mind. Amen. If, you're, if your soul is, is, is thirsty, he can restore your soul. Amen. I believe that. Do you believe that, church? Amen. Let's worship him. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word. Thank you for the restorative power of your spirit God and how excellent it is that we get we we get to benefit from your attention we get to benefit from your countenance we get to benefit from your presence God and when and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty there is freedom there is anointing there is blessing there is power there is favor there is restoration God and we love you and we thank you we thank you Lord for this truth we'll be sure to give you glory and give you honor everybody said in Jesus name if you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 